warm welcome to you all. Hope you'll thoroughly enjoy our program. podcast, a very British podcast about very British movies with just a hint of professionalism. Hi, Scott here with me. As always, it's Stephen. Good morning, sir. Hello, mate. How are you doing? I'm fine. We were just talking very briefly off air. Today's movie is The Lavender Hill Mob from 1951. And regular listeners will be aware of what we call the Village Hall of Fame. Now, <laughs> we're not grand enough to have a Hall of Fame, like the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. We don't, we don't expect anything of that magnitude. So, yeah, no, we, we, we're not that grand. No, so it's a Village Hall of Fame. You know, just that little tucked away building with just a few little dusty photographs on the wall of all of the people that have appeared more than three times on the podcast. It's getting quite full. There's a few people in there now. I mean, I'm not too sure the numbers. It's twenty plus, isn't it? We think. Yeah, easily, and. It's snowballing up a little bit. There's people on sort of second appearances, waiting in the wings. I think we've got a seven, haven't we? I think with a certain person who we'll mention in a minute. I think it's another yes, appearance. Yes, there's, there's a yes, there's a lot of people waiting in the wings of the the hall, yeah, uh, in the village hall, um, ready to, and that is that is bulging. It seems <laughs> of um, any moment now, of any film p- could just could catapult it, several yeah. people in. Um, and this is the kind of film that does catapult numerous people um, up a, a notch. Um, yeah. So, yeah. So what we're going to do, just change this up a little bit. Before we go into the trailer and then go into the review like we normally do, let's see who's been inducted into the Hall of Fame. Because this, to say it's star-studded would be an understatement, particularly... If, like us, you're a fan of British movies, British movies of this era, the 40s, the 50s, the 60s, there's some famous, famous names in this. And as curator of the Village Hall of Fame, let's see who's going to go in. Before we do the whole review, let's see who's going in today into the Hall of Fame, mate. Who have we got? Well, um, as far as... um Second appearance, yep. we've got at least 10 people, um, surprisingly. <laughs> okay. This is amazing. And there's numerous names on here that you won't have, you know, a lot of people just won't, won't recognize the name of. Yeah. Edie Martin. Right, Edie uh, Martin, yes. John, you recognize her probably. Um, John, John Salo, um, yep. or Salo, you won't recognize his name probably. Arthur Hambling. Mm-hmm. Um, John Gregson, you probably will. Right, John um, Gregson, from, previously, yeah. he's got the Antarctic, got the Antarctic more famously yeah. for Genevieve, um, stuff like that, yep. Uh, Marie Burke. Yeah. Um, Christopher Hewitt. Yeah. Um, David Davies. Uh, wow. Patrick Barr. Uh, Paul Demel. 
Um, <laughs> Michael Michael uh, Trubshaw. Oh yeah, Michael Trubshaw. Yeah, Michael Trubshaw. Um, You'll recognise. Bedazzled it was before. Right, it was one it. of the faces that probably you know should be in there sooner or later. Yeah. Um, so that's that's a, a number of ones that have just catapulted um, up there. Um, to be perfectly honest, to make sure that we've we've got um, a lot of people waiting in the wings, ready to um, just jump in. Really, I mean, you know, as we said, it's it's bulging at the seams. Yeah, um, the surprising thing is about this is that um, you know we've we've got Alec Guinness, who um, don't think we've had him before. Is this a first-time appearance for Alec Guinness? I think, this, I Guinness? think this is first time for Alec Guinness. Let me have a um, look. I think you're probably right. Which um, is, is surprising. The is other it? surprise from this is that it has a, a small part um, from Audrey Hepburn. <laughs> well, let's tell that story because this is two years before Roman Holiday, which catapulted her into fame. She plays a character called Chiquita. And it is literally a walk-on part. She says a line and walks off. Now, according to legend, it is because Guinness saw her on stage... And originally she was supposed to have a, a more major part in this movie. But the stage commitments prevented that. So she could only afford to be on set for this one afternoon. And they just made this little character up called Chiquita that comes in and, and talks to Alec Guinness when he's in Rio de Janeiro. And, you know, there's little inkling at this time that she was going to become the megastar that she did. Because as I say, Roman Holiday was two years away and Sabrina was the year after and stuff like that. So, yeah, it's incredible when you see it, isn't it? A very young Audrey Hepburn. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, you blink and miss her mm. as it happens. Um, but, um, it's, you know, same as... Um, what other film was she in, Blink and You Miss It? Sim similar kind of thing. It's she the just one before, where well, she's a cigarette girl, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah, it's, um, it's the movie before. I'll tell you what it is. It is Laughter in Paradise. Actually, the same, That's it, yeah. Laughter in Paradise, which is... is um, um, not John Sim, not John Sim, but Alistair Sim. <laughs> Alistair um, yes, I played with the Sim clan, yeah. <laughs> the Sims, the Sims, um, which I think they made a game out of, didn't they? they did, um, yeah, so, so yes, yeah. we've, we've you know, got those nice little sort of surprise appearances and people who you know maybe should have um, had more appearances you would have expected in, in this kind of podcast. But as we've you know said numerous times, it's the... The smaller parts, the bit parts, the supporting characters that are often the, the repeat performers yeah. um, across but all of these films. I'm surprised um, that Alec Guinness, mate, that this is the first Alec Guinness movie. I'm really yeah, shocked about that. Which is surprising because yeah. we're both fans yeah. so, and he's been in so, so many classics. Um, that this being the first one is, is a bit of a surprise, really. Um, but, you know, talking of those people who are um, the sort of... The lesser known mm -hmm. people recognise the face, but might not actually recognise the, the name. But we know yeah. um, Alfie Bass. Yeah, um, is you know I think he he's on his fifth appearance. Wow, um, okay. now from yeah. this because um, previously uh, Brief Encounter, uh, Hell Drivers, uh, Always Rains on a Sunday, and um, uh, he was in Pool of London briefly as well. Excellent. Yeah. So so um, this. This sort of caps it off for him that he's you know five appearances, five. but that's as nothing as compared <laughs> to the the governor, um, Cyril Chamberlain. God bless him. We knew this was the uh, first multiple attendee, wasn't it? I think. Yeah, Cyril he was, and he is still <laughs> the top ranking male um, attendee on on <laughs> the Village Hall of Fame, um, who now ranks up his seventh appearance. 
um, Incredible. which um, and I think that makes him joint level with um, the Hickson. Oh, bloody! Uh, then it's surprising because we've only done just over fifty movie reviews here. It's it's incredible. Seven out of you know, it's over ten percent of the, of our output as I had Cyril Chamberlain. <laughs> well, this is it. I mean, it's it's like Marianne Stone, as we say. You know, between Cyril Chamberlain and Marianne Stone, it's, it's quite yeah, it's yeah. it's quite amazing. And to be honest, I'm trying to think whether the um, whether they've appeared in a film together. I, um, I would probably think, think as a carry on that they're probably carry on nurse is perhaps the only one that have actually been in together. Yeah. yeah. Um, but yes, he's he appeared before in A Night to Remember, Troubling Star, Carry On Sergeant, Carry On Nurse, League of Gentlemen, uh, Doctor in the House, and now Lavender Hill Mob. And oh um, he's probably had um, uncredited parts in virtually every other film as well. Missed, because yeah. um, that's yeah. who he was. Wow. Uh, I think he was just part of the, the, the sets in most of the, yeah, he was <laughs> the, just um, the studios. About. Yeah, just hanging about. So they thought, yeah, we'll just fit yeah. Cyril in somewhere. That's fine. <laughs> So, dear, dear old Cyril. <laughs> so yes, so we've got quite a few um, inductees this time round, and it is, it is a situation where people like us watch this film, and okay, yes, we're familiar with the film because we've seen it a number of times, but yeah. still, its faces you just recognise from numerous other things anyway. Even if it's not films we've yet got around to reviewing, it's still those just familiar faces of British cinema. Yeah, we, we've also got a couple of uncredited appearances that may affect. The Hall of Fame. Right, Okay. Uncredited as the customs officer, Desmond Llewellyn, who played Q in the Bond movies. Oh, right, yeah. Okay, so make sure he gets put down because there is an appearance there for Desmond Llewellyn. In the scene in the Houses of Parliament, the leader of the opposition or the opposition MP, Richard Wattis, which I think might be appearance number two for him, Yes, I think he appeared in so very recently. Might have been Scott the Antarctic. Definitely, definitely, we've had Richard Wattis before because it took a while yeah. to get him. Um, and this one, it's again, it's a blink and you miss him. When they're at the police exhibition towards the end of the movie, and there is a police forensic scientist testing the Eiffel Tower statue. It's Robert Shaw. Is it? Yeah. <laughs> Again, his part was supposed because, to be because that means that he's Robert Shaw. That means he does get into the. Virtual I think he's affair. in, isn't he? Because yeah. he was in um, Man for All Seasons, obviously, and he also had a part in the Dam Busters. Yes, he did. So that's another inductee there, mate. Well, there you go. Right, hey, it is just bulging. Well, the, the, wait it? for this one. All right. I mean, obviously, we're going to get into the review proper, but while we're just talking like cast and, and credits and uncredited appearances and stuff like that. How about this one? This one will blow your mind. British 1960s children's TV icon Valerie Singleton also had an uncredited part in the film. Given, uh, given that she would have been 13 years old, she was probably one of the schoolgirls at the Paris scene. I would imagine so, yes. But, uh, <laughs> yeah, it's amazing, really. But it does, as I said, there's a few people that we would have expected to have got their third appearances before now that have only just done it now. What about Sid um, Jones? Which is it. There was, there was Sid, uh, Sidney Taffler, yeah. which is a lesser-known name, and uh, Roland Adam, yes. which is, again... Uh, he was Seven Days uh, to Noon, wasn't he, the Prime yeah. Minister in that? Yeah. Can't trust anybody called Adam anyway. Um, <laughs> um, but, yes, Sidney James, yeah. who um, is one of your all-time favourite actors, I know, much, who yeah. finally makes his third appearance, um, which... 
Oh, so he gets yeah. inducted today as well? Yeah, because it's um, it was in Three Hats for Lisa and Hell, uh, Hell Drivers, wasn't it? Yeah. Oh, cool. so, oh brilliant! At last. But because it's, it's not been in not been in the um, Carry Ons yet. No. What about Stanley Holloway uh, with Brief Encounter? Was that the only thing for Stanley Holloway? I think it must have been. Stanley Holloway, um, previously, we've had him in Brief Encounter and Passport to Pimlico. So he's an inductee as well. So he's an inductee as well. So (laughs) the four four inductees are Stanley Holloway, um, Sidney James, uh, Roland Adam and Sidney Taffler. So they're the three that that bump up as far as I was concerned, but we've also added Robert Shaw to that. There we go. so there you go. It's 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 um, a quirk that me and you are interested in. It might be that not so many other people are interested <laughs> in, but it gives us an opportunity to talk about you know yeah, the, the the renowned and the um, the, the legendary known. status mm. of some of these people who are maybe not recognised for their impact upon um, British cinema. We've I said think it's good that we do recognise them. Really, yeah, we've said this from day one, haven't we, mate? That again, I'm sorry, I'm just sort of. Shocked of the Alec Guinness thing. I, I'm, I was convinced we'd seen three or four of his movies. So. Because <laughs> I thought you had as well, because yeah. I thought, oh, well, yeah, you've done um, Lady Killers, but you haven't, you've done Legal Gentlemen. True. So, yeah. which was my, for some reason, my brain sort of mixed the, the two over which one you'd done. Yeah. Um, but yes, that he's, he's not been anything else, which is uh, astounding, really. Well. But, There'll be a snowball effect at some point. We'll probably end up doing three in a row without realising or something. <laughs> You'll just have to be yeah, inducted. Probably. <laughs> or we'll do kind hearts and coronets, and that's two appearances, isn't it? So eight, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, something like that. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, yeah, because people can yeah. play more than one part in the same film. How does that happen? You know, yeah. Peter Sellers would never do that, would he? No, no, you, you wouldn't have that happen, and you wouldn't get anybody playing like both. Cray twins, for example, because that just would be madness, <laughs> wouldn't it? Would be absolute foolishness. Let's take a quick break. We'll be back after this. <laughs> Yours? Is it loaded? Yes, it's a present from Margaret. It fires a stick of rock. These men are dangerous. Plotting their way with icy calm to riches far beyond the wildest dreams of ordinary men. A minute later, the guard will appear around this corner and you, Pendlebury, will detain him for at least half a minute. Ask him for a light, ask him the way, ask him anything, but keep him there. We must have those 30 seconds. Edgar. Isn't one supposed to say that when one's being briefed on my rare visits to the kinema? The word is Roger. These men are ruthless. Fear has no meaning for them as they hurl defiance at the law. Help! Help! These men were born to violence and learned to meet the worst that fate could bring with nerves of steel.
the Lavender Hill Mob. According to IMDb, Stephen, it was released on the 10th of September 1951 in Sweden. There is no UK release date on here, but the Swedish release date was September 1951. Directed by Charles Crichton. Written by T.E.B. Clark. Now, I know we've spoke about the cast, but we're going to have to do a little bit about the crew as well as we carry on with this, I think. Starring, as we've said, I mean, we could rattle all of these out, but the main cast is Alec Guinness, Stanley Holloway, Sid James, Alfie Bass. The plot. Holland, a shy retiring man, dreams of being rich and living the good life. Faithfully, for 20 years, he's worked as a bank transfer agent for the delivery of gold bullion. One day, he befriends Pendlebury, a maker of souvenirs. Holland remarks that with Pendlebury's smelting equipment, one could forge the gold into harmless-looking toy Eiffel Towers and smuggle the gold from England into France. Soon afterwards, the two plant a story to gain the services of professional criminals Lackery and Shorty. Together, the four plot their crime, leading to unexpected twists and turns. We're both big fans of Ealing comedies. That's no secret. Okay. Yeah, yeah. there's no point in trying to pretend everyone one is, is there? <laughs> This is up there for me. I mean, my favourite is The Lady Killers. Always has been, probably always will be. But this, to me, is top draw healing comedy. You've seen this a few times, I take it? Yeah, it'd be, you know, definitely into the double figures. Mm. Um, Can't remember the first time I watched it as a child. Definitely some black and white, as we say, on a a Sunday Sunday afternoon afternoon. or afternoon, (laughs) as we've always said. Um, And it's just, you know, it's just part and and parcel of, of... the screen in the corner of the room, you know, um, every summer holidays or it's Easter familiar, holidays, or isn't it? It just, it's just always there. It's very around, familiar, yeah. very comfortable, very cosy yeah. film, which is what the Ealing comedies were all about. I think if you were trying to encapsulate what the Ealing comedies meant, and it's nice to see those faces, those Alec Guinnesses, those Stanley Holloways, and for me, of course, Sid James. It's a great little movie. It's it as I say. I think it's it's it ranks up there with the Lady Killers and Kind Hearts and stuff like that. It's quite brisk. It's only an hour and twenty minutes long, if that. Oh yes, yes, it definitely is. You know, it's short. It packs a lot in though. Gets the quite... job done. Mm. Yeah. And I, I don't know. I mean, the first five minutes, you you sort of wonder where this is going to go, and then it does actually develop into. Yep, this is Eating. This is definitely. It's got Eating stamped all over it. Yeah, I think it's quite interesting that it does it unusually um, is it is told as sets it up as a flashback. Yeah, and I'm not sure that's been done. That had been done a lot in um, mainstream films. I know that perhaps sometimes voiceovers of somebody sort of going back telling you know the, with the um, the story, some of the Dickens things even, um, but. This is something where you know the the, the premise at the, the start is somebody sat at a cafe table telling um, somebody how it all transpired, and then and it goes to it, and that's I think is quite interesting to be done in a, a film of this time and uh, a mainstream film of this time. Yeah, and and I think it's sort of untypical of an Eagling comedy as well because normally you get the you know headfirst into the plot of what's going on. Actually. Kind Hearts and Coronets, I think, starts when he's in prison. He's writing, he's yeah. writing the story, yeah. So that that does as well, yeah. Yeah, so it's it's something that's you know a little bit familiar, I suppose. So we've got, as we say, we've we've mentioned the cast. We have got British cinema legends in this movie. Altogether, 
in a fantastic script that is both sort of edge-of-the-seat stuff in a couple of places, as well as the comedy aspect. You do actually think, oh, are they going to get away with this, and where's this going to go? Especially in, like, the heist scene itself, and it all looks like the whole thing's going to go wrong. Very taut scripting, as I say, for, like, a, a, a 78-minute movie or whatever it works out to be. Yeah, the, the, there is the element of peril that um, it's not just, you know, what's going to happen. There, there is the uncertainty. Yeah. And despite we know that, that he's, um, he is in Rio de Janeiro, so um, obviously something happened to, to get him there. Mm. Um, it's like a Columbo thing. You know, <laughs> you know what the end result is. But then as it turns out, you don't know completely what the end result is. But you know what the end result is, and it's a matter of the story telling you, telling you how the journey to it. Um, with that, its twists yeah. and turns, and it still does have the uncertainty in in parts, which um, is surprising considering that that start, uh, and that I think is wonderfully done. And as you say, the the writer um, is has got credentials, and this is a a, a prime example of his talent. T. B. Clark, T. B. Clark is basically the guy that wrote the screenplay for this. Now, T. E. B. Clark. It, if I was to rattle off half a dozen Ealing comedies, he would be the man that wrote them. Let me just have a little look. Here we go. You ready? He was responsible for <laughs> the Titfield Thunderbolt, Hue and Cry, which was one of the first Ealing comedies. Um, and as well as this, The Blue Lamp, that's where we know him from. Yeah. Did Passport to Pimlico as well. Was he Passport to Pimlico as well, was he? Well, there you go. So Yeah, and the... Um... We've mentioned before, though we've not reviewed it, but we've uh, mentioned before um, a film called Train of Events. Yes, and he um, he was the, the the script writer behind that, which I think again was one that was quite innovative in the way it it, it did things. Um, but yes, absolutely, there's, there's just a, a plethora of um, films that he was in, involved in writing with obvious talent uh, going way back, you know, to just at the end of the war, really, yeah. when he started being involved in, in screenplays and scripts. And, uh, yeah, obvious talent, absolutely. And, and working in conjunction with the director, who is Charles Crichton. Now, this always fascinated me, because I remember when this was happening. Charles Crichton, who directed Titfield Thunderbolt and Hue and Cry, also responsible for one of the segments in Dead of Night, the portmanteau horror movie, famously came out of retirement to direct a fish called Wanda. There's that guy. Oh, right. Yeah. 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 Do you remember it was you remember seeing me like being interviewed with John Cleese and that, and it's this old director. That's Charles Crichton, the guy that directed this. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah. And, oh, wow. And and while we're sort of talking of like cast and crew, the cinematographer is a name we are familiar with. Again, the, the cinematographer is a guy called Douglas Slocum. Now, Douglas Slocum, Kind Hearts and Coronets, The Italian Job, The Servant, Dead of Night, Jesus Christ Superstar, The Man in the White Suit, The Great Gatsby, also was the cinematographer on the first three Indiana Jones movies. So, (laughs) (laughs) an extensive career, you know, over 50 plus years. He did some Hammer stuff, you know. This guy was incredible, and he's responsible for some of the most iconic cinematography that, you know, this country was throwing out over the over so long a period so it's always worth mentioning we, we tend to sort of gloss over a little bit don't we when we, we 
the crew. But it's, it's yeah, worth mentioning this time. I think it would be very easy for us to to either ignore them or just get going and start listing people who happen, you know, done similar things. But there were some of them were just part of the, the crew in a film studio. So the more you review of that film studio, they just cropped up. But there are the examples that you're giving that I think highlighting that there are some people that were um, exceptional talents that went on to other things or the, the unsung heroes um, that do need to have the, the recognition you're pointing at. So absolutely. Yeah, I mean, we always say, yeah, healing comedies, oh, that's, that's Alec Guinness, that's Sid James or whatever. But yeah, the backroom boys, there was this, you know, this core group of people that when you look into it, they all made the same movies, they all worked together. Which why I think makes Ealing comedies so not unique, but it makes them so recognisable because there are the same crew and cast all together working on those type of movies. Um, what did you think of it this time round? Did you honestly did you still enjoy it? Because I did. I mean, this was as if I hadn't seen it for a long, long time. Whatever you know, I still sat down and was still chuckling in the right places, still getting involved in the plot. And for something that I've probably seen in double figures, same as you, I still bloody enjoyed it this time, mate. I watched it with a more critical eye okay, okay. Um, than previously mm-hmm. um, because I've not reviewed it on any podcast before. So, and as we've said before, sometimes that means you look at something and um, see flaws that you hadn't seen before. Yeah. Um, but also, sometimes you watch something and you pick up bits that you hadn't appreciated before. Okay. Um, and this time around, we're watching this, um, I think I got more out of it than I ever had before. Oh, right, okay, uh, that's good. Because yeah. just, just paying a bit more attention to some of the details. And I, I can't really think it's... I, I watched it I watched it during the week in a, a hotel in Zagreb, so... Um, <laughs> Look at you. So, it's you know, exotic over there. Um, so... Um, <laughs> Travel so many miles since then I've, I've lost a bit of my brain but um so citing specifics on that is a, is a little bit difficult but there was there was things that I picked up on that I hadn't really appreciated before yeah um, and some of that is um some of the acting mm-hmm. uh, nuances some of it is some of the dialogue yeah. which is is you know um there's some great lines in this that um whether I'd just forgot them before or whether I'd, you know, I'd just um, glossed over not, them a little bit, yeah. Yeah, you know, glossed over them before because, you know, there's there's just some of the, the great dialogue, particularly between um, Alec Guinness and Stanley Holloway. Great double uh, act. They uh, make great. a great double and, act, yeah. Yeah, and then some of the stuff between Alfie, you know, with Alfie Basso or with Sid James as well. Yeah. Uh, great. And, you know. I mean, the, um, you, you pointed out before we came on air, just that whole line about. Stanley Holloway saying Edgar instead of Roger. I I'd, yeah. I'd never noticed that before. And how silly how silly of me, yeah. Yeah. Um, um, I think I'm going to start using the the line I propagate British cultural depravity um, <laughs> as as whenever I go abroad now. But um, but yeah, it's there are some great things with that with the lines and the, the way they're done as well and the nuances with that. But there's also some of the things to do with with the cinematography. I mean, when the um, in the Eiffel Tower and they're mm. coming down the spiral staircase and the way that's done, that could have been done completely indif- differently and and not had the same impact. But the 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 way it it presents that it it puts 
um, it puts it on to a different level than just merely um, them sort of running after yeah. um, the 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 schoolgirls, which sounds wrong, um, <laughs> in 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 the lift. It it just it, it that's the, it gives you the dizziness. It, it preempts that you, that you vertigo would, that you it? would get from from running down like a couple of floors worth of a spiral staircase and things, and and there's that kind of um, thing, and it's like when he's um, they are in the um, police exhibition mm. and they're trying to then run away from the police and um, Stanley Holloway's character um, he runs up against the um, Pendlebury runs up uh, against um, a locked door in the exhibit that's a, a jail cell yes and there's, a, there's a, a mannequin of a, a policeman on the other side which you know it it, it that created an effect of what you know what he's actually trying to <laughs> run away from he's run into instead Very clever yeah Those, yeah, and those kind of things. It's just a, a, a cleverness that's in there, which is, I think, I, you know, I've missed or forgot some of these details before, how clever it is done. Yeah, I mean, really. that whole Eiffel Tower scene, preempting vertigo by about six or seven years here. And personally, I'm not a great fan of heights, and that actually made me feel dizzy watching that, some of those camera angles. And it's very clever, the, the way it was done. You could you could probably tell that, that that staircase was rotating and they were just running on the spot. And it just, you know, they, they were very creative using the cinematographer and using the director to actually create something that worked, you know, and it just, it, it just makes that last act that little bit more of an adventure, a bit more of a caper. Yeah. Um, and you saying that stuff you hadn't mentioned or sort of stuff you hadn't noticed before, like there's car chases, there's perfectly choreographed car chases, you know, the confusion where they're on the police radio trying to misdirect all the yeah. cop cars. And the police cars ram into each other, coming down two parallel streets to a, a focal point where yeah. they, t- they turn around the corner into each other, that V shape. And, that is beautifully shot as far as the angles on it. Um, and that in other people's hands could have been, you know, they could have just done it. What, what was the film where they did, did it <laughs> the with model. a toy car? It, was, was um, that, it wasn't Pool of London, was it? it was, um... No, was it? Was it? That, I think that was that was on the, the Lost episode. That was the Blue uh, Lamp one, we think, possibly, um, yeah. <clears throat> but, the, but, yeah, the, and the, but there's then the, there's the way of shooting, you know, when the, the, Stanley Holloway and, and Alec Guinness are, are first sort of first testing each other out as far as their their proclivity to mm. actually um, do some plan. Yeah. And um, there's Alec Guinness sort of hovering in the background, slightly half turned, sort of looking over his shoulder, having planted a seed with his comment. And the, the look across his face and, and Stanley Holloway's face, there's the subtleties there. Beautifully which, done. Yeah. Which in an Ealing comedy, you probably think there are. It, it's got less of that kind of thing in it that it's just played for laughs and it's just in your face, you know, humor that's easy to just, um, almost picture postcards in a way and all this kind of stuff. There's that, that just shows the level that alien comedies were actually at. There was, there was the real quality in there and the performances from the two individuals, their quality is, is undisputed, obviously. Um, but yeah, some of the you know, like you know, with the landlady, some of the the she's brilliant things with them. That's just great. You just that I've forgotten all thing, about her as a character. Th- that whole thing. There's the two old ladies in the house. Now we mentioned it was, it's Edie Martin, wasn't it? I think is is like the little timid one with the little little yeah. little sparrow like lady that appears in lots of these movies. But then there's the other lady who is played by Marjorie Fielding, Mrs. Chalk, 
and Alec Guinness is reading like some sort of Chandler-esque detective novel to her, isn't it? And she's got this real dark background because she knows all the parlance and the, uh, uh, you know, about oh, criminal activity. It, yes. Do you remember? She's like, yeah, she's talking. She's later on talking to the um, the police. The police are trying yeah. to interview her, yeah. and she's yeah, she's using all the all the terms from these detective novels, and they're looking at her. As a, How do you know? Yeah, <laughs> this innocent-looking little old lady. It's like they've got this got the mind of a criminal mastermind. You know? I didn't notice that before. You know, that that stood out for me this time. Um, obviously, because we are a little bit more critical watching these movies this time round, he only was in it for probably sort of five minutes of screen time, but John Gregson, yes. who was the police officer, is rapidly becoming one of my favourite actors at the moment. I mean, we saw him to some extent in Scott of the Antarctic, but if you go back and you see things like Genevieve and a couple of other movies I've watched recently, the man was great. He was an absolutely fantastic actor and he doesn't get the recognition he deserves. But Talking Pictures TV a couple of months ago, I think it was the centenary of his birth, dedicated a whole day to John Gregson, quite rightly. you know. And I'm looking out for more John Gregson stuff as we go along week by week because I think he needs to be sort of examined a little bit more critically for us to, you know, take a little look at. I think I think the the problem is with him is that um in in the latter stages of, you know, I suppose seventies and eighties and stuff, looking back on him I think he might have had a, a, a more of a reputation of just being a good looking, sort of handsome um, man in films yeah. rather than for the quality of the films he's in or more particularly the quality of his performances in those yeah. films so i think bringing more attention to um what a good actor he was is is completely relevant I to do and, so. and right given the recognition he died quite young he died in his 50s i think in the mid 70s but th- there was a tv show that he'd done throughout the 60s which i can't remember for the life of me it was um yeah it was gideon's way that he did for like three years in in the 1960s um and as i say his life tragically cut quite short and it was about 54 i think he died but if you go through his filmography like i say genevieve is probably the one that he's best known for he was in the longest day but then again everybody was in the longest day back in 1962 oh yeah the longest day <laughs> when we eventually do that that's going to sort of add a hundred people to the, <laughs> the film. um but you've got things like battle of river plate you know Titfield Thunderbolt, it's, it's, it's all going to come up and he will be, I think he's going to be one of the ones that another unsung hero, I think I think we're going to we're going to look back and say do you know what, that guy we, we hadn't noticed before it's this whole thing of, like I yeah, said yeah. critically analysing movies and, and thinking, do you know what You know, we, we're looking forward to the Sid James or the Margaret Rutherfords and all this lot coming up but I think we're going to get the same thing knowing that there's a John Gregson movie coming up very soon. I think, yeah, I think he's going to be another one that um, sort of is um, an un, unheralded hero mm. uh, that we want to actually recognise. Is there any is there any link between um, Gideon's Way and Gideon's Day? That, no, that there was a film, Gideon's Day, wasn't there, which again was, I think, a, um, a Tibby Clark one. Really? Um, okay. Which had... Which had um, oh... It had Jack Hawkins in it, I believe. I don't think it was Gregson. Right. Okay, Gideon's Way, which was the TV series. He plays a Commander George Gideon, 
uh, of Scotland Yard, basically, and his family life. It was a bit sort of soap opery, but with a crime element to it. Ran for one season. It, well, it ran for like three or four seasons, by the look at three or four years. Uh, Twenty-six episodes. Yeah, well, it's just, it's. I've just looked now, and um, Gideon's Day, yeah, which was in nineteen fifty-eight, ah, which is. was Jack Hawkins. The character was um, uh, Inspector George Gideon That's of Scotland it. Yard. It so it must have been a. It says a spin-off here, a spin-off from yeah, Gideon. There you go. Yeah. And yeah, T. B. Clark. There we go. Wow. There you go. Movie connections without even realizing. Well, it. yeah. I just uh, I, I think I have seen it. Beef, bit of it, or at least I, I'm aware of it, probably from because of Jack Hawkins. Yeah. Um. I, I just for some reason in my mind, then it just sparks, and I just thought, is that connected? <laughs> and it is. And wow. Also, and also connected uh, in Gideon's Day, Michael Trubshaw appears as well. So. Oh. <laughs> it's all coming together, it isn't it? Is, what we need is one of them big pin balls with lots <laughs> like of a uh, pins in and bits of string <laughs> like they have in the, when they're trying to solve the serial yeah, killer thing we, we could yeah. link all of these together if we really wanted to but back to Lavender Hill Mob it's it's just one of those like we say one of those charming inoffensive movies that we remember as a kid and do you know what it's, it's, I'm pretty sure I didn't see this that long ago probably last year and I still looked forward to watching that this morning when I was sitting down and it was just refreshing again it just it, it it it's one of those ones that's not a chore to watch it was just excellent i loved it absolutely and and quintessentially british as well yeah which is what I this mean, podcast is, is all you know, about it's, yeah. it's particularly of the time with you know with the the bowler hats and um you know the the raincoats and people you know the the civil servants going to going to work and all those kind of things and the yeah. the, 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 che- the cheeky cockney scoundrels in there and, and all these archetypes that you have of British cinema um, and as you say you can you can enjoy watching this and you can enjoy watching this again and it, it doesn't wear thin no. just because of the very nature of what it is and and the is, people that are in it as well I think yes yeah. you know that the, the core group of the four characters bounce off each other superbly I love this era, Sid James. I love this 50s Sid James before the carry-ons. Um, Alfie Bass, fantastic, underrated, you know. And, and and it's just the the way they gel together. I, I, I like the scene where Sid James is breaking into the safe at the beginning, but he, goes in, he ducks down into hiding when the two turn up. And then Alfie Bass comes in and then he's tapping him on the shoulder and he's like, you know, are you looking for someone like yeah. me? Yeah, like and, me. He's about to, about to cosh him with the, the tire iron um, and then decides at last minute. And uh, it's great. Yeah. You know, even silly little things like he's trying to ride a push bike and he's, you know, well, he's, he's riding the push bike because Alfie Bass is... He's colourblind. He's colourblind. Like, yeah. you know I mean? <laughs> like no, because no, Sidney James is colourblind. He's colourblind. So that's why he has yeah. to ride the bike. Yeah. So. It's, it's just really inventive, the script just cracks along at a ma- you know a really cracking pace and it tells the story properly quickly with with very little padding the only bit that i think padded it out it padded it out into an hour and 20 minutes of all things mm. was the bit in the police exhibition but you could see why they had to do that bit because it was all to do with the forensic side of things that the, the uh, the Eiffel Tower being tested by by Robert Shaw, as we now yeah. know. How they how they track them down? Yeah, yeah. Because um, the other bit with the police when he's in in the police station, 
and um, he's almost, act, you know, he's, um, he's going to give himself. Danny Holloway is almost actually <laughs> because he's uh, the the mix up and he's almost confessing to the crime that they're not accusing him of, and because um, that again is is very cleverly done. Yeah. Um, the the timing um, of the dialogue and and everything. So it, it, yeah, as you said, even if some bit of it is perceived as been padding it's only padding of about two minutes it's, it's literally and, and um the the padding that it pads it out to is 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 relevant little, yeah i mean it's you know it ends up being you know just slightly longer than a t- you know a, a tv episode yeah, on the bbc it is uh, it really. so long, it's, it's just like it's an hour and, an hour and 20 minutes one of the little bits that i did like and i'd forgotten even though again i've seen this a fair few times where the cars crash and the guy that's driving along singing oh, yeah, to yes, old MacDonald had a farm. And you see this aerial intertwined with the police aerial. And meanwhile, there's a, another policeman by Blackfriars Bridge or somewhere that way getting a lift from Stanley Holloway and Alec Guinness singing on the running board to old MacDonald yeah. had a farm. Again, I've forgotten it, which is surprising because we've both seen this a fair few times. I liked... For me, being being a Londoner, the, the the St Paul's Cathedral bit and the bomb damage, we mentioned this before. I think it was Paul of London because that's a a, a robbery type movie as well. And and to see, you know, this is six six years after the end of the war. To see those bomb sites still. Um, Passport to Pimlico, we mentioned it as well. Passport to Pimlico, exactly. You know, mm. it's becoming a bit of a running feature here, especially the nineteen fifties movies. It's going to be, but it's it's interesting that they use. Those parts of London. I mean, they could have gone anywhere. They could have gone to a built-up area that wasn't bomb damaged or whatever. But you look at that. That's the thing I find fascinating. Me and Tony were talking about this when we were doing some episodes previously. That you look in the background, and I like looking at the old shops or the old cars and just those little snapshots of nineteen fifties life. And, and yeah, I like the advertising. Yeah, and, and some of the the you know, uh, which uh, one of the films that we've we've done where um, the in a in a shop, and there's you know the the like a, one of the early type and, supermarket yeah. types, and it's the you know the boxes of washing powder and, and Omo, uh, yeah. And, yeah, and that's as you say, it's it ends up being that snapshot of of life post war, yeah, yeah. But it's great. I mean, I just love the energy. Guinness's and Holloway's energy in this movie is it's almost infectious in a way, and. Yes, it's a heist movie. Yes, it's a comedy. It's it's a it's a movie for all ages. Anybody could watch this without being offended. And it's what this podcast set out to review, I think. This is a typical example of what Real Britannia is all about. It is. Mm. It's it's, you know, one of the the categories of of films that are very British and this is a prime example of of as you say the Ealing comedy type that very British comedy of errors and the 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 interplay of, of these you know almost caricatures of britishness out playing out on the screen in front of you in a way that is incredibly engaging as you say warm and comfortable yeah. and welcoming for you that kind of movie and i had um one of those idiotic eureka moments watching this alec guinness plays henry holland what's his nickname Dutch. Holland. Dutch. Yeah. Yeah. Never noticed that. <laughs> oh, dear. Never noticed that until this morning. 
but it's great. Oh, it's great. Stanley yes. Holloway, one of my favourites. Alec Guinness, just flawless. You know that man could could act in his sleep. Uh, I've it's five stars all the way through for me. This movie. There's nothing that I couldn't find to fault it. To be honest, really. Yourself, I mean, you, 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 do you recommend watching this in a hotel room in Zagreb? Or uh, yeah, well, <laughs> it's one of the better things to do in Zagreb, I would say. Um, uh, and yes, I would recommend watching this anywhere. Mm. This is um, this is a film that people should have seen, and if they have already seen it, they should go watch it again and um, make sure you you soak it up and enjoy it. And yes, it's part of. It's part of our lives, yeah. for me and you, but it's also a quintessential part of, of British um, culture and British movie history, as well, cinema, cinematic life. Yeah. yeah. Um, so I would, rec- as you say, for people of all ages and all inclinations, really, um, I find it hard to to think of anybody who um, wouldn't get exactly. some form of joy out of watching this if they give it a chance, because it, it is just comfortable. But also um, witty and, and and quality. Yeah. So so go out there and, and find it, and you probably find it, you know, on Talking Pictures TV, you know, every It'll couple of weeks or something. Somewhere, yeah. Even if you've seen it a fair few times, like we have, this time if you go and watch it again, just take the time to do a bit of star spotting as well that we missed. Look out for Robert Shaw and Richard Wattis and. Desmond Llewellyn, they're there. They're all in this movie. As we said, didn't we? Can you imagine if we said, like, right, we're reviewing a film today starring Audrey Hepburn and Robert Shaw, but people wouldn't even know what we were talking no. about. You know, it's, it's great. It's, it's lovely to go back and look at that little aspect of the movie as well. Should we take a quick break and find out what you're going to bring to us next time, sir? Absolutely. Fantastic. See you in a second. <laughs> So, next time, it's down to your good self, sir, to bring us a movie. What are we looking forward to, mate? Right, well, I know this is one of your favourite bits, as it is when when it's my turn on the other side of the coin. What do you say? A drama from 1970. So, moving a few decades away and and changing the tone slightly Mm -hmm. um, from the the hard-bitten criminal element that we've just (laughs) been reviewing. Uh, So... Um, yes, it's 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 a it's a, a relatively unknown gem in my opinion that um, I only encountered within the last year. Right. To be perfectly honest, um, it stars uh, Nicole Williamson. Um, okay. It's called The Reckoning. Oh, this has been on my watch list. Talking Pictures TV have shown it a couple of times in the last month or two. Mm. Is it a bit of a gangster type thing? Is he like a villain again? Oh, I know it's, it's 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 reminiscent of another film that we're fans of, but it actually was done before that. Is it a get so, Carter type? Movie? Yeah, is that the one? Yeah, so it is, and um, yeah, I think it was overshadowed because of Michael Caine, oh. um, and you know we'll obviously discuss this on, on the actual episode, but um, yeah, I think it, it deserves a, a bit of attention. And I'm pleased to hear that it's you know on your watch list, but it you haven't been. actually seen it because no. that'll that'll provide a a first time watch um, reaction for us, which I do like 
to, to have off you. So this so, is quite new for you. I mean, this is a first time recent watch for you, is it? So... Yeah, I, I've. It will be the third time I've watched it within oh. a year, I think, because oh. I just. It, I, I watched it first time and I went, that was interesting. And I watched it again and thought, yeah, I think I need to 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 bring this to it. And then at this stage now, I thought. This feels like the right time to bring it to you. I like the look of this. Yeah, Yeah, Rachel Roberts is in it, so she's going to get another appearance in the Hall of Fame. Um, I like the look of this. It's my sort of movie. Why have I I not seen this, Stephen, for God's sake? Why have I not seen it? And the other thing is, it's mostly set outside London, so that's in the north. In the north. north. Probably right. It's set north of Watford, so I didn't want to watch it. Yeah. Yeah. Oop, oop north. <laughs> yeah. So. Um, yes. Yeah, so hopefully this will be uh, one that um, that you can give us a good reaction to. Oh, I'm looking first time watch. forward to that, mate. That looks really cool. Once again, thank you so much for being here this Sunday morning. My pleasure. We'll see you very soon. Take care, mate. Take care. Positive shower. Good luck. Thank you. Hand up, sir.